Hi, this is Patty Lapone. This is Allison Janney. This is Matt Balmer. This is Donna Murphy. This is Nia Vardalis. This is Jesse Tyler Ferguson. This is Beanie Feldstein. I'm Octavia Spencer. This is Ben Platt, and you're listening to Little Known Facts with my favorite person on the planet, Alana Levine. A-OK. Welcome to Little Known Facts, a podcast where you will hear unfiltered, raw, honest, and uniquely funny interviews with artists you love as they talk about the art they love to make. I'm your host, Ilana Levine. If you know me, you know how obsessed I am with live performance. To me, nothing replaces being in a theater and the lights going down and the orchestra starts to play and that first moment of magic. And I know the way I feel about theater, some people feel about sports or opera or dance or comedy or food. And what if there was a place that you could go and find out which live events are going on near you that night, and then for a discount price, you can get off your couch, put down that clicker, and experience the magic that is live performance. Well, there is a place, goldstar.com. You just go to that website, you type in your city, and every amazing live event will be listed at discount prices. Theater, dance, comedy, film, food, concerts, sports, no more staying home. You are going to go out and build memories and experiences that expand your mind and heart through live performance with goldstar.com. Goldstar is in 26 cities around the country with over 8 million members already signed up to find out what event is going on near you. So go to goldstar.com. Get out of your house and build memories that are magic for you and your family. Expand your mind, expand your hearts. Go see live performance by using goldstar.com. Tell them Alana sent you. You know, some people enjoy composing their own music, chord by chord, and others are happiest when they come across that one perfect song. Work is not a lot different than that. Whether you prefer building your own workflow or using a pre-made template, With Monday.com, you and the team can work in a way that's comfortable for everyone. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com and build your own amazing workflow or find an awesome template. No judgment. everyone. New episodes of Little Known Facts drop every Monday, and you can find them on your favorite podcast provider. Also, if you go to the website, littleknownfactspodcast.com, you'll find behind-the-scenes photos, videos, and interviews, and lots more on the gallery page. And if you are loving these intimate, candid conversations with all the artists who come on the show, please head over to the contributions page. I depend on these donations to continue to bring you these interviews every week. So if you love the show, please donate. Little known fact about my guest today, he started out as an actor and dancer in Broadway musicals, and maybe because he was part of the ensemble for so long, he really knows how to talk to actors, work with actors, and understands the process that actors and dancers go through, and it is that compassion, humor, and talent that has made him one of the most beloved and Tony-nominated director-choreographers in the history of Broadway. Welcome, Casey Nicola, to the podcast. A-OK. A-OK. Hey, everyone. My guest today is the Tony Award-winning director and choreographer, Casey Nicola. He currently has four shows, sorry, I said four, for those of you in the back, uh, four shows running on Broadway, The Prom, Mean Girls, Aladdin, and The Book of Mormon. Have I forgotten? Is there one more that I don't know about? No, that'll do it. That's good. Um, <laughs> he is represented on the West End as a director. Also, The Book of Mormon and Aladdin on that side of the pond. Other Broadway credits in his past as uh, director, choreographer, are Tuck Everlasting, Something Rotten, Elf the Musical, The Drowsy Chaperone, Spamalot. Uh, it is such a thrill 
to, I had a late night. It is such a thrill to have this extraordinary artist in my booth today. I don't know how I got so lucky, but here you are. So thank you for being here. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. Um, I'm going to have you get super comfortable in your chair okay. and then bring the mic closer than you think you oh, need okay, to great, have. Great, great. So you, you get it. comfortable and then okay, bring the cool. mic to you. Your career is so extraordinary. And I just have to say, and I know you know this, Anyone I told that you were coming on my show today, they were all like, oh, he's the nicest person on the planet. Oh oh, you're so lucky. Like, like not only is your work being nominated and winning all the awards, but your people skills are equally beloved in this community. And that's no small thing. That is really nice to hear. Especially now when people are really looking to have like people to blame about things. It's nice to not be one of those people. Totally. And it's also nice to go in a room and respect each other and yeah. love doing what we do and why we all moved to New York City and yeah. why we want to be here. To all be able to do that together is awesome. And what some of my listeners may not know is that you began as a performer. You were in, I could have had another bio that I read <laughs> filled with your acting credits and your performing right. credits. So like many of us, you know, we are we are hybrids. Um, and I wouldn't be shocked if like I went to see a Broadway musical in the future and you were back in it because it is hard. We do miss that. Uh-huh. Do you miss that? Not at all. Not one bit. <laughs> no, I mean there are there are moments. I guess I think the older I get, there's some moments that I'm like, oh, I could maybe step into that when I'm uh, yeah. however old. But no, when right my now, knees no. are hurting. Yeah, exactly. But you know the the thing for me is I was I've always been I was happier once I became Papa and stopped being baby. Interesting. You know because there's something about like the need of like needing the acceptance and needing this and it's. I felt like I just like was in my skin once I started, you know, once I started choreographing and directing. And Does that go, so once you're on, like if we were at, you know, in a scene from Fame and there's one side of the table where people are the judges and one right. side of the table where someone is performing or flash dance, it could be any number right. of cultural references. Do you not feel the same need of acceptance when you are the boss that you do when you are the, the non-boss? No, not at all. Interesting. No, I think I've always been this kind of this kind of bossy. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but yeah. also or comfortable also, with authority. Yes, exactly. But I also really I like taking care of people and mm -hmm. I like taking care of 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 a cast and I like leading them to finding things and leading them to stuff and you know I I want them to work as hard as I work. Right. So it's a really creative collaborative room. But it also is a hard working room, yeah. you know, and people are like, oh, God, we got to keep up with you, you know, it's amazing. which I know is not easy all the time, but it's all just because I get excited. And you lead by example. Yeah. I mean, don't you feel like you always do your best when people lead good examples? Absolutely. Absolutely. You can't, you can't just like pull your stick out. Right. Because um, <laughs> right. it sounded dirty. Well, <laughs> but you can't. I have pulled my <laughs> stick out and it actually has been uh, very well reviewed. Um <laughs> When you started out, you, where did you grow up? I grew up in San Diego. So are you in a house that has cast recordings playing, or is this your own thing that you brought into your family? Um, it kind of is, actually. Um, I think my parents didn't quite know what to do with me, but mm. yet they knew exactly what to do with me. Um, because we you know, we didn't grow up with very much money, yeah. and we had like two cast albums. You okay. know, we had My Fair Lady Good. and The Music Man. Though if you're going to have two. I think a great music man has always been my favorite, and not just because it was that. It just yeah. always has been. And, and um you know, when I was started, when I was started getting into, I mean, I was in eighth grade and, you know, I was at school and I, you know, I didn't really fit Public in. School, Public I school, I imagine. I didn't really fit in. And, and my, a friend of mine said, you know what? I'm in this thing called junior theater. I think you would really love it. Why don't you come audition for, we're doing Annie, get your gun. And so I went and auditioned and I was a dancing Indian and I had the time of my life. And I felt, finally felt like I was like in a community of yeah. people, you know? And then when my mom started saying that I was getting, that I was liking that, she bought me the cassette tape to a chorus line. And the fact that she even like heard of a chorus line and then Incredible. bought me the cassette tape and let me listen and listen and listen and then bought me and a friend two tickets to go see it up in L.A. And my mom took us out of school to go see a Wednesday matinee, drove us up there, didn't have money for three tickets. We waited for you. Waited for me and then drove us back home. And it was just like the time of our lives. We were in the very last row of the top balcony. And it was just like, it turned my life around. Really well, with Mother's Day coming up in two days. Yes. Um, first of all, I'm weeping. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry it's only an audio experience because it's hard to cry on camera and I really would be. So it would be awesome. That's so beautiful. Yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty great. It's pretty great. She's really great. Yes. Are your parents alive? 
Uh, my dad isn't, but my mom is. Okay. So she is getting to see. She is. And my dad did get to see it all, too. He said yes. Something Rotten was the last one he saw. So That's a good one. Yeah, it was good. That's a good it one to good go out him. on. He, he loved it. He just loved it. He laughed so yeah, hard. He did. So your mom sort of understood that there was a spark that needed to become a flame. And yeah. she helped sort of fan it in Absolutely. that way. So you're you're going along. But... But to be a dancer, like an incredibly accomplished dancer, takes more than being in like a community theater production of something. So did you start studying in earnest at some point? Well, in San Diego, this place, Junior Theater, which is still there and still there. um, You know, we got classes after school and we got classes were really mostly on Saturday. Right. So we would take we would get a dance class. We get an acting class. Um, Were you an only child? No, I have a brother and sister. Okay. I was the oldest child. And are they at like following in your footsteps at, at this point? No. Not at all. Like there's no. Casey doing no, exactly. crazy. <laughs> How's your play going? <laughs> Do you, you play know? practice? Yeah. yeah. Adorable. <laughs> exactly. Um, so so that's kind of how that started. But at junior theater, you got to do five shows a year. Right. So, you know, so I did a bunch of shows and I just got, you know, I got practice there. And then, um, you know, then I went to UCLA for a year and a quarter. But I knew, you know, I saved up my money. I mean, it's a like long, long story. But I saved up my money and um, on spring break went to New York to see shows. And is there someone when you're in high school, is there a guidance counselor or someone going, if you want to be a performer, this is where you should go to school? Or are you just like going, like, how are you getting your information to get out of your town? It's not like you grew up in, you know, somewhere right. in Appalachia. But, well, but you don't, ha- it sounds, what did your parents do? For my, work. my mom worked as a secretary. Okay. And my dad did a lot of stuff. But, okay. But stuff didn't always pan out. Okay. You know? So it was kind of my mom winning the money. Okay. So she was the constant yeah. in that way. So where are you getting like your info from about where to go and what to do next? Well, kind of wasn't that much to tell you the truth. I mean, I knew I wanted to go to a, the- a school that had theater. Right. And I you know, wanted to go to University of Washington. Because I don't know why, because I heard it was a good school. Okay, you know, Some, somewhere and I heard there was, you know, they had acting there, um, but we couldn't afford it because it was out of state. So I ended sure. up going to UCLA. But you know, as a mu- someone who was interested in musical theater, I couldn't take voice or dance because I was a theater major. Got it. So it just kind of seemed like, what's the point? Right. So, so you know, I went to New York on my on my spring break. How did you save money? What were you doing? I was for an work? assistant manager of a movie theater. Great. <laughs> you know, I saw lots of movies. Are you a movie um, buff? Yeah, mm-hmm. and I was uh, yeah, I was a huge movie buff, and then music, you know, movie musicals because that's all I was able to have to access, do. To, yeah, except for that one production of a chorus line that you got to see, line and then things that went through San Diego. I would sure. go see. We could usher and stuff like that. Yeah, but um, you know, but it was like you know, we would go see all the revival, all the revival houses. You know what was playing there because there, we didn't have you know Betamax yet. And at this point. Are you finding a community? Like, are you out? Do you have gay friends? Well, are I'm you? Not, is no one talking about it? But um, you're like, hmm, we seem. No one's. Well, I was pretty young, but I knew I was gay. Yeah, for sure. Um, in a you, sentence in your head, I knew I was gay, or you felt diff- like you weren't straight. Um, no, no, I'm like, I'm different. I'm different. I know I'm gay. Okay, but I didn't know anyone else was gay. You know, and I wanted no one's talking to be about gay. it. No, because I mean, also, and I got, I got a show at the Old Globe Theater when you're um, how when old? I, when I was 15. Okay, um, and. I lied on my little thing I signed out that I was 18. Um, what if someone came in and arrested you right now? <laughs> right now. Uh, that's, sorry. You, you that's, shouldn't have done that. Like, you should never have done that. This was all a ruse. Um, I'm actually it, wired right now, Casey. <laughs> yes. Shit. Yeah. Um, then, but anyway, it was, it was the Robert Bragg room, and Brian, Brian Stokes Mitchell was in it, and Greg Barnes was uh, Brian's understudy. Um, and it was just – it was crazy. And Kathleen and Jimmy played my mom. Oh, my goodness. And, but that's when I got to be around like the big kids, and that's when I started going like, "Oh my gosh, there's gay people." Yeah, you know that's when they're I they're out. They're, they're out because I was 15 years old, and they were all 20. And are you telling anybody, or are you just watching it and going, no, "This feels I'm, like a good place yeah. for me"? Yes, I absolutely felt that. I didn't really tell people. Okay. Um, because I, I kind of couldn't at that point. You know, I didn't. I it was, and it also wasn't there wasn't Will and Grace on TV. It was right, a, you're it so young. Kind of thing, you right. know, and um. So yeah, I mean, I didn't I didn't come out until after my first year in college okay. when I knew I wanted to sort of move to New York, um, and basically it was like the longest two hour drive of my life going from LA to San Diego. But I got back and I told my parents. I said, I told them I was gay, and you know, my mom was sobbing tears, just sobbing and sobbing. She was like, I never met a gay person before. My my dad was like, Oh yeah, you have. Remember him? He's gay. Remember her? She was a lesbian. Remember? You know? And it totally cracked wow. me up. Wow. It, it was cool. And then my mom. Called me up at school the next next week. She said, "Honey, I just want to tell you I love you, and I understand it so much better now. I checked out some books from the library, and I I, I understand 
And it was the sweetest thing, you know? There wasn't the internet then. There wasn't, you know, she checked out books from the library. Right. And were you telling them at that point because you had fallen in love or it just was too hard to not have your whole truth spoken? Well, that, that, I told them after my summer at Summerstock, which was when I moved, when I went to New York to save my money. Yep. I came to New York and it's that kind of thing that I don't know how, where, where the ballsiness came from, but I thought, I'm in New York. I'm going to audition for some things. And I had no picture and resume. I had no sheet music. I had nothing. I picked up a backstage, which I don't know actually how I knew to do that. Right. And and I went and auditioned for stuff. And I auditioned for a summer stock in New Hampshire. I auditioned for like three things and got callbacks. And then I went to New Hampshire, did uh, New London Barn Playhouse, which was, you know, I got 150 bucks at the end of the summer. Did you get 300 your to get there. equity card um, through no, that? Not no, even. Not, not you weren't even getting so, points yet. No, nothing. It nothing. was like, it, you know, but... I did 10 shows, played Tulsa, Barnaby, and all good All gifts. the good ones. Yeah, and, and choreographed four shows. You know, so... Wait, choreographed four shows. So at this point, you have a language that you yeah, can totally. share with other people. I, exactly. But it was sort of... I only choreographed Hello, Dolly, as well as played Barnaby, because the choreographer was terrible and quit. Oh, and they were like... And there was like, how are we going to do it? I was like, I'll choreograph show. it. Wow. You know, it was that kind of thing. But, you know, it was the best summer of my life. I bet. It really was. It was... So Ten much guys fun. sleeping in a room and four girls in every bedroom. And yeah. it, it just, but it was really And fun. it's gorgeous up there. And it's gorgeous. And right. there's lakes everywhere. And you're working super hard and you're working after the show and you're cleaning the toilets and you're, you know. You're doing washing it. Washing dishes, but you're doing you're it. You're like, I've made it. Yeah. I'm acting of, professionally. Kind of. It was really awesome. And are there people from that summer, which sounds like your gateway to your professional community. Yes. That you still know from then? Oh, Vaguely, but not Vaguely, really but in touch they did, with. Okay, so you, know? you come back. Where are you, like where are you living? How did you find well, a place to so, live? So after that, that summer, that's when I went back to LA and told my parents. Right. And then I moved to New York with fifty bucks, nowhere to live. Slept on th- those friends from the summer. Slept on their couches. Okay. Worked as an assistant movie movie manager right. at, at a theater here in New York. Where in the um, city in Queens? In like the city, where? it was like on Twenty Third. Uh, it was a Lowe's theater. It was on Twenty Third between Second Third. I didn't last long because right. it was like New York. And at that point, you know, someone stabbed someone with a knife and then they hit them on the head with one of those ashtrays that they used to have. Yeah. And then he was bleeding and I had to pull him in the office. And I'm like, I'm out of here. It seems like I'm out of here. Not what I want to do. Yeah. So how, where did you go? How'd you get out of there? And how did you find your own apartment? And how did it like, well, it how did you start a, living? It took me a long time to get my own apartment. Mm-hmm. Like I lived with strange roommates that I didn't know and, yeah. and that kind of thing. But I, I, you know, I stayed in like what used to be the maids' quarters of this big apartment that had like three roommates, and one of yeah. them was in her sixties. I and, did that you know, on the but, Upper West Side. Yeah, so did I. It was like Ninety Eighth and West End. Exactly. And, and the thing is, and the room was the size of this room. Yeah. But you know what? I paid one hundred and fifty dollars a month, and I never had to sublet it when I went out of town. It was it was great. It was so, home base. It was home base, and I got lots of jobs then, non equity jobs. I mean, yeah, doing non- backstage auditions, and yeah, and and you know. I played Danny Zuko. <laughs> you did all of them. I did it all. Um, and then, you know, I got my um, I got my equity card at Beef and Boards Dinner Theater in Indianapolis. And in terms of, like, singing eight shows a week, did you ever train or was it on-the-job training? It was kind of on-the-job training. But then when I got to New York, I, I mean, when I first got to New York, I took dance classes, like, three a day. Okay. You know, I was taking dance classes all the time. I lived to take my dance classes. It was, like, my salvation, you yeah. know, that and then going to the Regency to see old movies. Yeah. Um, that was, that like, my great? life. Oh, it sounds, I wish I could do that right I mean, now. let's go. <laughs> I, I'd make it through one class. Right. Um, no, but, but, you know. Is was, that true? Make it through one class. Yeah. My body can't do it that much anymore. My body yeah. can, you know, make stuff up and demonstrate it a couple of times and right. then let my associates. I will teach demo it. once. Yeah, exactly. Right. Exactly. Well, I was wondering about that. I mean, not to fast forward, you know, 20 years, but I do think a lot about, you know, Jerry Mitchell, different people who've sat in the seat you're sitting right. in when we're talking about like going from. You know, I met Jerry because he was the choreographer on You're a Good Man, Charlie Brown. Oh, right, he was yeah, not yeah. yet directing. And then suddenly he, you know, he made right. the, the leap. There are, there are, there's a history of this happening, right? Mm-hmm. Like choreographers of Broadway shows becoming directors of Broadway shows. Right. Um, but it is such a different, like to really understand what it is to do both mm-hmm. on huge shows. Do you have a team of people when you say you're associate? Like how oh, in yeah. the world do you... How do you do that? Well, for me, I have a, I have associate director and I have associate choreographer, and 
pretty much everyone that I've worked with has yes. been a friend first. Okay. So they know me and they know my taste well. And your so language. They, yeah. And the, so they would go like, oh, no, Casey's not going to like that. And right. they're usually right because they know me well. Yes. You know, and. And then the, they show it to you. Yeah. Well, right. Like you I come mean, in and. We're, we're, we do all the pre-pro together and I basically make it up or I help shape it on them. And okay. Stuff. Um, you know, and. And then when we get in the room, I'm usually there. But the, the thing is, like when we did spam a lot. Yeah. I mean, I demonstrated everything. I rehearsed everything. I did. Is that everything. your first Broadway show that you yeah, were the choreographer that I for? I did the choreography for. Okay. And then Drowsy was next, and that's when I directed and choreographed. Did Mike Nichols direct Spamalot? He did, yeah. So you are Mike Nichols' choreographer for that show? Yes. Okay. I want to spend some time there. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Because, you know, I've had the the great fortune of, of having some meals at a table with Mike Nichols. So I can only imagine, like, if I took that experience and uh-huh. turned it you know, times one billion, which was your experience of right. getting to sit by by like side by side. Right. So, what was the first Broadway show you were cast in? Well, my first Broadway show that I was cast in was Crazy for You. Okay, which was incredible. All joy. All joy. It really was. It was such an amazing time. And that truly was a dream come true. So it was everything I wanted a Broadway show to be. If I were an audience member, and I got to be in it. So, how did that happen? Well, funny story. Um, no, it it happened. Um, I was doing a show in North Carolina, Showboat. Okay. In the, in the ensemble. God, you've done I was every single at this point, classic show. And Beth show. Level was in it. And she had gotten wow. crazy for it. She knew she, she was going to do it. She's like, you should have auditioned for this. You would have been so good in this. Don't you love when people um, say that to you? Totally, you like, should have been in this thing I'm doing. Yeah. And then, then I found out that they were looking for one more person. And one more track. And Beth's like, you got to go in for this. And so... I did go in for it. But actually, did she get you the audition? Like when someone no, says to me, you I, should go in again, I'm like, great. Are you calling them for me? How is this happening? No, I actually called, I actually wrote Susan Stroman. Uh-huh. I called Susan Stroman because we had done Kiss of the Spider Woman at Purchase. Oh. When it like was like workshopping a, it. was it. a new, what was a new musicals program Thing. that then didn't end up SUNY happening. Purchase? SUNY Purchase. Yeah. Okay. Um, it was, it was a program that had like Four new musicals going to happen. And then it went wrong because no one was supposed to review them and they reviewed them and, and stuff. And so she didn't end up doing it. As we know. Um, as we know. Um, but that's, for me, it was a blessing because I, I loved doing that show and I loved yeah. working with her. And then I was able to. And then you didn't have to you. do it. Then you, you didn't know? have to do that show when it. Yeah. 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 And, and. um. So she brought you in. So she brought me in and then I didn't get it. And that was fine. Um, you know, it wasn't fine. I was crushed, but, but that's the thing. Well, but anyway, it turned out like, to be fine, I think is what to. we're saying. So then what happened was, I mean, I was, I had no money. I didn't know what I was going to do. How to, many like, years in now is it since you've, I'm just bringing this oh, a yeah, tiny totally. bit closer to you. Oh, yeah, totally. You got it. How, how long are you in the city now when, when this heartbreak happens the Almost first round? Years. So Almost you're 10 scrapping years. it together. I waited together. so many tables and yeah. I worked so many non-equity jobs and stuff and then got my equity card and I did a, a you know, a union tour of 42nd Street in the chorus. And I did I did some equity jobs after that. You're but... making your way and you're finding your community. Yeah, absolutely. And and then um then so what happened was I didn't have any money and a friend said, you know what? Do you want to go to Chicago for two days uh, and do this Shazam? I don't know if you know what Shazams are. It was this company that like had you like dress in weird costumes and do like people's bar mitzvahs and you'd have to freeze for like the whole thing. And then in 10 minutes you'd like dance with people and then you go back and freeze on a platform and, and little kids would try to push you off. It was, that sounds it was awful. humiliating. Yeah. It was absolutely humiliating. And I was like, I was like 28 at the time. Yeah. And then I had to share like a room with like five 17 year olds. It was, the, it was hideous. Um, and it was for a whole weekend, but I was like 250 bucks. I got to do that. Right. Uh, and then while I was there, Shazam. I was like, I have to check to see if my new answering machine actually works. I love it. Technology. So I, yeah, totally. So I called home to get my see if I had any messages, and I got my first message, and it was like, hi, this is uh, Barry Moss from Hughes Moss. We, something has come up, and we're, we have another open track in it. We would like you to come audition for it. I said, oh, my gosh. And I called him. I said, I'm in Chicago. I don't know if I can make it in. And he said, Oh, you're in Chicago. Don't worry. But I said, no, no, no. I'm coming in. I have to come in. Yeah. And so I told the Shazam guy, I can't do it. He's like, you're never going to work for Shazam again. Right. Which uh, was upsetting at the was, time. <laughs> kind of and kind of not. Yeah. Um, and then All I right. went to the airport, but I had no money. And, you know, at that time, you know, you could fly somewhere for like $99. And People's one, Express People's years. Express, exactly. Yeah. And a one-way ticket was 400 and something dollars. And so I gave her my card, the lady at the desk, and, and um. 
she's like, they'd like to talk to you. And so right. she gave, handed me the phone and they wouldn't give it. And I had one more card. I knew it wasn't going to work. And I said, can you try this? And I'd sort of, she'd said, what are you going back for? And I said, audition for a Broadway show and I've never done it and stuff. And she just looked at the, at the machine and acted like she slid it through and she didn't. She said, it worked. You're approved. Signed the thing, put it in. Like I don't know if there were consequences. I have no idea who that woman was, but it was the most amazing thing. Whoever. I, went, I auditioned. Maybe she's listening. Right? I hope, I hope you are. So. I hope yeah, you know, or hope, hopefully yeah. in person. Um, but uh, I auditioned, got the job, ate Chinese food, was in rehearsals two days later. Wow. Yeah. That is unbelievable. It was unbelievable. It was a great story. And, you know, like you think about those moments in life, like that person working at People's Express or whatever <laughs> totally. that counter was, like, made that happen. Yeah. And who knows? You Who never knows? know anything. Just be nice, people. Isn't that the thing? It is. Like, whatever you're doing, it when is. you see Casey come up to you at your, <laughs> at your day, like, I don't know, Alamo car rental. Give him the upgrade. Be nice. <laughs> <laughs> Give him, him four-wheel drive if there's snow on the ground. So you got that show, and now you're off, and now you're doing your first Broadway show. And who were some of the people who were in that? Oh, wow. Well, Beth Level was in it, Stacey Logan, uh, Scott Taylor, who's now my associate on uh, Aladdin. Wow. And, yeah, it was great. Yeah. And that ran for a while. It ran for four and a half years. I was in it for two and a half years. And what made you leave your first Broadway show? The Best Little Whorehouse Goes Public. Wow. Lasted two months. Yeah. But it was a really fun experience. And were you like, oh, my God, can I go back to Crazy For You? Um, or... I actually did go back to Crazy For You as a swing. Mm-hmm. Um, it was great that I knew I, I found out I could swing, but I, I just I needed to do um, more. How did you? So then, what happens in your story that that makes you a Tony Award winning director slash choreographer and like super super successful and famous? Oh wow! Wait, wait, that was a that was a long sentence. <laughs> I mean, something oh, like so in now, me? No, in like the then what, how oh, how does this well, whole journey happen? Okay, so, so then there were seven more Broadway shows. Yes, you know, that you're in. That I'm in. And, you know, then I I realized, you know, everyone except one, which was Scarlett Pimpernel, I was in the original company. Right. So I got to watch them all get put together. Yes. And my brain has always kind of worked like that. And I've loved theater so much that I was fascinated by watching it. And are you just in the ensemble? Are you moving I'm into in, parts? No, I'm in the ensemble. Mm-hmm. I never got parts. And was I think that I wasn't painful? Um, it was at times. It was painful when I didn't get covers. Mm-hmm. Um, You're like always the bridesmaid, never the bride feeling. A little feeling. bit, but I kind of get it. You know what I mean? When when... When in I retrospect. Told, yeah. When I told you that I felt like I was in my skin when I became a director choreographer, I wasn't in my skin then. I was mm-hmm. just a bouncy kid. You know, right. I'm still a bouncy kid, but I'm in my skin. Right. Doing on the right track. On the right track. Way. Exactly. But um, so when I was in Susical is when I knew I had to do something else. And I'm sure you probably heard the story. So you, you know, Never. But, oh, really? Never. Oh, well, basically, I knew I was tired of being the person to go like, I would do this or I would do that, you right. know, or, you know. That kind of thing. So your brain was always working in that way, like holistically. I would actually go home and go like, this is what I would do with this show. This is what I would do with that show. (laughs) To your cat. This is how (laughs) – to to, to myself. (laughs) It's crazy. But I would. I would be eating a pint of ice cream, like figuring it out. Um, But so I basically – I said I have to do something. I have to like be creative. It's bursting out of you. I rented studio space Wednesdays and Saturdays between shows. I said I'm going to be creative. And I didn't know what I was going to do. In the first couple weeks, I did nothing. Right. And then I started formulating – Ideas, yeah. And I, I got three pieces that I choreographed and got 25 dancer friends and I rented studio space, spent every penny I had, which was $4,000 because I remember well it hurt, um, um, and invited all their directors and writers and choreographers. I mean, not choreographers, and producers that I worked with. And they all came to see stuff. And then I got a show at the Fifth Avenue, a, a new version of Prince of the Popper that Kevin McCollum was uh, producing. And that was my first choreography job. So do you invite them? Kevin was just here, too. On oh, he the was? show, oh, actually. Cool. Yeah, whose story is also remarkable. Um, are you... Well, he was married to Michelle Pock, who was in Crazy For You. And, and that's, that's how it all... Yeah. Okay, so how did you um, present this? Are you like, guys, I'm interested in kind of moving into another direction, so here's my work. Do you, do you preface the pieces they're about to see with a story about why they're there? Yeah, I got up and talked about each number. Yeah. And I had a little program that told who the dancers were, and I like sent out invitations. You're like, I'm or, a choreographer. Yeah, exactly. And everyone came. They were excited because I, you know, I had a good work ethic and I was a nice company member. Clearly, um, you know, and that's that's how it 
that's sort of how it started. And then spam a lot, which isn't the next day, but in right. terms of working up to that. Yeah, I mean the other the other one in between there was that uh, there was a thing called Dance Break that SDC okay does where they they had um, and I know it's been off and on, but they had like six choreographers show work to the industry and they sort of arranged it. So I basically did wow. another presentation, did two numbers. So they have like an industry day. Yeah, and then you're basically and then Des Makinoff came to came to see it and he asked me to uh, choreograph the Sinatra show at Radio City that I did. Wow. Back in 2001. Uh-huh. Yeah. No, 2003, I think. Anyway, whatever. Um, yeah. Fun. Yeah. So that was that, and that was that was great, and that sort of led me to, to spam a lot. Okay. I really want to talk about, if you don't mind, sort of what it was like to, you know, meet Mike Nichols. Were you... Who was the producer of spam a lot? Uh, it was Bill Haber and uh, Bill, Bob Boyette. Okay. So did they create this um, union or did your agent, like how does no, that happen? I just got a call out of the blue um, from Wendy Orshan who was uh, at 101 and she said, there's a job, uh, you've been recommended for a job. What is 101? Uh, it's uh, general management. Okay. And she was general manager. Just because there are people listening yeah, yeah, absolutely, who are, yeah, absolutely. who are learning right um, now all this great stuff. So anyway, they said Mike would like to meet with you. And I, I found out Jerry Mitchell recommended me because mm-hmm. he wasn't able to do it. Right. And then um, I was about to choreograph Bye Bye Birdie and Encores. And Mike called Jerry Zaks. Also Zach's. fun. Yeah, it was super, super fun. Yeah. And Mike called Jerry Zaks. And Jerry said, yes, he's great. Uh, and so I sat with Mike for like an hour. And I had my reel for my presentation. And I had my resume. And I never used it. Mm-hmm. I never had to get it out. We right. just talked for an hour. And he said, well, you want the job? And that was it. So are there things from that – I mean, that show was so funny. I remember I just had a baby, and it was like my first thing that I saw uh um, on Broadway. Like the first time a babysitter was going to have my child instead of me. Um, So it had to be something that would be completely compelling and hilarious Uh from from moment one to the end of the show. And it was. It delivered in every way. Um, Are there things, you know – during that time working with him that you sort of remember in terms of how he worked that you carry with you or or just his we just worked so well together yeah. you know we did and Eric Idle as well you know the three of us just worked so well with each other because we had we all had our strengths yes you know Eric's writing and so funny and Mike's like editing and and way with people and me being the hands-on guy you yeah. know down there being the choreographer you know so it was it, it was really, it was really thrilling. Yeah, it was really thrilling. And you know, Mike was but like also my theater as a movie dad. Person, you know, like yeah. he did the graduate. You've done some things, right? Oh, like, I know. Like, well, it's <laughs> funny. It's, I'm someone. I don't get starstruck. Right. I would think that I would because I was such a movie fanatic. Yeah. Uh, when I get there, I just go like, I belong here, and mm-hmm. it's the weirdest thing because I'm not like that in so many parts of my life. Right. You know, there's so many parts that I'm not. But when I'm there as the choreographer or the director choreographer. I've always felt, like I said, in my skin. You know, it's a weird thing. I can't even explain it. But but Mike got it. And also that he was a performer first, too. And we talked about that. And, you know, he sort of said the same thing about, you know, I was so happy to be the papa and yeah. not the baby anymore. Yeah. And, you know, he was great. And he he really was like my theater dad, for sure. And even after Spamalot, you know, we would still get together. And he would come see all my shows. Or he'd, he'd you know, call me up and say, are you in previews, my boy? Are you ready for me to come watch it? And I said, absolutely. And then he'd come. And we'd go have dinner. And we'd talk sometimes about the show, sometimes not about the show. But right. he'd always have, like, one really good note to say. And, and um, really, really great. I remember one time I found myself at a dinner. And these are the people assembled. And it was really like that if you could create a dinner of like your dream. Uh-huh. It was Lauren Michaels, uh-huh. Jesse Norman, uh-huh. Mike Nichols, Diane Sawyer, and Caroline Kennedy. And I remember just being there going, and by the way Where was it? It was on Martha's Vineyard. Oh my uh, gosh. A friend who was dear friends with Caroline. They'd gone to college together. Uh-huh. You know, I was her plus one. Um and I just remember like and of course like I can be funny and charming and all the things and literally like not one word. Like, literally, I just sat there going, like, yeah. I'm at a table with these gods, like, yeah. gods of every single, like, every committee head, right? If we were, like, assembling, yeah. like, who would be the best person? And I just thought, this is, like, crazy time. Were you at Mike's house? No, we were at Caroline Can- oh. Well, it had been her mom's. Uh-huh. I, I have had the pleasure of being at their house also. 
Um, awesome. They're all they're all awesome they're houses. All so, it's so beautiful there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We go there every summer, and we have not been do. That's not a weekly uh-huh. potluck. Yeah. assembled, but it really was sort of like the who's who of everything beautiful and artistic and important and wow. you know wonderful and the legacies of all of those people. Yeah. Dead or alive at this point is extraordinary. He did have like a really crazy coughing attack during that dinner. Uh-huh. And you're like, oh, he's he's dealing with some medical uh-huh. stuff, but still like the most charming, brilliant. Yeah. Anyway, so I just think of that from time to time because it's sort of like I've done that. Like I have been at the dinner with the people I'd want to have dinner with in real life. Yeah. Um, Even if you, were, if you were to play the game, those yeah. are the people you would say. And this podcast has been an assembling of that too. Like That's here really cool. you are like week after week. It's like people whose work I admire so much. Cool. And Casey, you know, Caitlin was just here. Oh. Uh, Caitlin Canunin, who who is just so extraordinary in your in your current musical, The Prom. And I think a lot about how you've really been able to do things that shine a light with such humor and empathy on subject matter that is just really important, no matter who you are or where you live or how old you are. It just resonates with everyone. And you've been able as a director and a choreographer to create these stage pictures and hire these people to channel your vision in ways that are just extraordinary. Like time after time. So Mean Girls. So Mike Uh Nichols is Spamalot. Then you're like, I mean, there are so many. So working with Tina Fey, are there things that are just like, oh, I get why she's Tina Fey. Oh, completely. (laughs) Completely. Yeah. She's awesome. I mean, that that team is awesome, too. You know, and, you know, I always love having a writer that gets comedy Mm -hmm. because I love comedy. And hopefully we get in the same way. And I think that we do, you know, and it's, um. That's it, it was great. It really was. And I, I've loved writing, I mean, working with people, with writers. I've loved working with writers who have written for TV or have mm-hmm. to write under under fast deadlines and stuff. Right, they understand amazing it. like that and can change things really quick or we're like, that doesn't work and just changing one line. You know, it's not like you need like 20 pages. Right. She can do that and Trey Parker was the same way and on Book of Mormon and Eric Idle was the same way. You know, it's... um. That part is fun for me because it's about solving problems and about working fast and figuring it out right. and knowing it's going to be on stage that night. And we know what we kind of want. Yeah. You know, and we need we know we need laughs. And that part to me is thrilling. Did you understand that Book of Mormon, which has been running how long now? It's in its eighth year. I okay. Think. Not Seven to mention years. all over the world. Yeah. All your shows are also happening simultaneously <laughs> globally. Um, there's something. Did you under? I mean, were you a South Park fan? Yeah, I mean, I really loved it, but yeah. I don't really watch TV that much. Yeah, 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 yeah. So the idea that it would be so accessible for so many people and continue to resonate in the way that it does with such difficult subject matter, uh-huh. uh, were you expecting it to have the kind of life that it's had? I didn't know what kind mm-hmm. of life it was going to have. I really, I really didn't. You know, and I think that we were all a little bit nervous about that. Uh, you know, there was... Ahead of time, we were talking about, okay, there probably will be picketing. There will right. be this. There will be that. And there wasn't. And I think, Why oh, not? It's so funny I, that it missed that kind of vitriol and, and anger. I think it started, and I think I think because the product was good. Yeah. And the heart is the so heart, strong yeah, in but it. I think it started with the fact that it was a hit, that, mm-hmm. that, that you could tell right off the bat it was going to be a, a hit, that just that feeling. You know, it doesn't mean we didn't – we worked all through previews. We didn't stop working and, and we didn't had, get cocky. I, Rory O'Malley was here and he was, oh, by the way, learning so, to tap dance. He was learning to tap dance. <laughs> well, he had his um, tap dance number. That was his Tony Award-nominated yeah, turn. But, yeah. you know, he, he was explaining to us, like, there were many workshops. It didn't, like – have a couple of rehearsals and then come to Broadway. You guys right. had a, a, a right. road but with I that show. Part, I wasn't part of the first, you know, six years. Of okay, stuff. I mean, so you I came really, in at the end. I came in before the the lab that they did, the six week lab that uh, became like, the I, Broadway show. Yeah, I found out three weeks before the lab I was going to be doing it, and then I had to like <laughs> like crazy in three weeks as well as doing a show in San Diego do my pre-pro in the morning, and then get there and stage a show that I'd never worked on. So and so suddenly you're doing a show in San Diego, and you are now going to be directing and choreographing along with the original creative team. Right, right. And I was co-director with Trey. Yes. And, and, and Trey was co-writer with Matt. And so we were all sort of tied together as one team. But the cast was already cast, or are you now recasting no, when you come in? Cast. So you're like adopt. Here, you're going to yeah. be the dad for this family that's already been assembled. Yeah, and I didn't know how people were going to be. I think I, I came in because we were missing like a couple of tracks. Uh, 
they actually made me come in to see the the ensemble right. and to dance the ensemble to make sure if they could dance. And I think they were all they were all ready to shit their pants. They really were. I didn't realize it now until they told me yes. later because they're like, oh my god, so many of them thought they were going to lose their jobs because none of them were hired to dance. Right. And. I that wasn't the original job no. description. So they all came in together at like a dance call. And I was so cruel. What does that mean? I cannot that imagine friend, you being cruel. My Matt, uh, Matt Lair, who came in, I had him teach a combo with me. And it was so hard with like kicks and splits and up and stuff. And everyone was like, I said, just kidding, guys. <laughs> I've seen your resumes. I see what you are done. And they were like, oh, oh, oh my God. God. But it, it broke the ice beautifully. That's it really did. Incredible. They were all so nervous about it. And But, you know, there's a lot of dance to the show and there's a lot of st- stuff. And, you know, it's funny because. But you you made all the, you know, I remember when I did Lucy and Charlie Brown. I'd never done a musical before. And uh-huh. I remember Jerry saying to me, by the time there's an audience here, no one will know you're not a dancer. That's we the will, truth. We will make a dance for you. That's that, the truth. So somehow, rather than firing all those people, oh, yeah. you're like, you guys are amazing. You have these characters. We're going to make this work. And it's a comedy, so yeah. it's not about the dance. I know, but like turn it yeah. off. There are dance numbers there yeah. that are like, that's actually one of the most, you know, I remember when Ben Platt went in, he uh-huh. was like, okay, I will tell you off mic how we do the magic trick. That is that show. <laughs> off mic, <laughs> not on mic. Right. I know. You can't be mad at Ben Platt no, about anything. No, you can't. Because he's an angel person. He he's as good as the person at People's Express who gave you that ticket <laughs> he home. Is. He's great. He, he would do the same thing. Um, but yeah, like it. not only is it like a dance show, it's actually, that's one of the best numbers ever in a Broadway show, don't you think? Like I, I love, that's, that's yeah. one of my, each, each show I do, I have a number I'm most proud of. Yeah. And I go like, that's the one in this show that I'm the most proud so of. So let's go through. Like in Spamalot, can you remember your fave? Yeah. It's, uh, you won't succeed on Broadway, also known as the Jew song. Okay. <laughs> Something Rotten. A musical. Okay. Um, Aladdin is Friend Like Me. Yes. Uh, Drowsy Chaperone is Show Off. Um, the Prom. Prom, there's so many. It's hard to choose. There's really so many. Plus, that I it's love. the it's the kiss that launched a thousand ships yeah, in right? that show. No, yeah, I, I I love I love so many of the numbers from. Prom. Okay, okay, you you love all your babies. You can't say yeah. yet. It's too close. It's still running. Sometimes we yeah, need some distance totally. to go. This is the one I remember. In it, yeah. what about um? Wait, mean girls mean is girls. where do you belong? I think yeah. Which I understand that was added. That wasn't in it from the very beginning, or am I wrong about that? That, that one was. Okay. The, the what added was added ones? to that? Something in Act 2. Oh, stop. The tap yes. number. There was no yes. tap number in it. But you love a tap number. Well, yes, I do. Like, that's my favorite thing mm. because I'm a tap dancer. Yeah. But I will say that because everyone, I, I get nervous that people are going to go like, oh, he put in his obligatory tap number, which is actually not the truth. Because opening number of Act 2, Jeff Richmond, who wrote the music, was like, I want to write a musical theater number top back too because it used to be a pop number. Okay. And he said, and I think it should have tap dancing in it. So it keeps coming from other people. Trey said that with Turn It Off. He's like, I think Turn It Off should be a tap number. I said, really? You think so? Interesting. He's like, yeah, I do. And then Friend Like Me, Tom Schumacher said, because we did it in Seattle first, there was no tap. He was like, you have to put tap in Friend Like Me. You can't not have tap. And I said, okay, I will. Yeah. But it's funny that Twist it my arm, come, why but, don't you? I know, but it yeah. is funny that it never has come from me. It's everyone else saying we got to have it. Because in in... In pure Broadway, I mean, the American musical, the Broadway musical, that has kind of, you know, there are a lot of things about this country that we can't be proud of right now. Uh But one thing that we have done is really, like, created Broadway. That's a real thing. I think so. Right? I mean, other countries have their versions. But there's something about the Broadway musical that we can take great pride in. I agree. And tap and the kind of wow factor of that, I mean... That human beings can do that and sustain that kind of storytelling with their feet, right? And make those rhythms and do it for as long as they do it, right? Till it builds to this insane crescendo, is really one of the most satiating. Like whether you can see or not see, like mm-hmm. if you are visually impaired, the tap as well the is something yeah. that just fills you with like. Happiness. Because most of us can't do it. Well, I was just going to say, I think yeah. that's why people love tap, because they can't do it. Right. There are other things you can kind of pretend to do, sort of. I can do a kick off a bench. Kind yeah. of. <laughs> Ow. Yeah. I, maybe not anymore. But really, like, and then when someone like a Sutton Foster right. can do that and sing yeah. at the same time, and then tell a story, like, dramatically, like that one person can do all those things, 
I mean, yeah. I could talk about her for another oh, million God, hours so because she really is like she and the People's Express. <laughs> We yeah, don't even know that it was People's Express, yeah. but really, like, I think those, she, she is now. She is now. She's a People's Express angel. She is. She and Ben. Yeah. We got that. Um, so this idea of, like, when you say I was really good at tap, again, as a person who didn't grow up, you know, a lot of people come in and, like, from the time I was four, I was tap dancing. Yeah. Is this your three classes a week when no, you moved to I the city? No, I was, like, jazz and ballet and everything else. But tap is something I could always naturally do. What do you And mean? my body is, like, built like a tap dancer. Um, no, I had good feet. And I'm – because I have no technique. Can you and, do math? Like, there's um, a lot oh, of Oh, no, I can't do math. Jesus. Okay. No, okay. terrible. But the thing is – in jazz and ballet, you have to have great technique. And okay. I never had that kind of technique. I could do all the steps, but I was more a hoofer. But also, I grew up watching Gene Kelly. Right. And I grew up watching Fred Astaire. And I loved tap. And I could tap. And I remember one, you know, I was such a geek in high school. I remember there were New Year's Eve parties. And I was not at a New Year's Eve party. I was at home in the kitchen. My parents had gone out. I don't know where my brother and sister were, but I was home in the kitchen because it was the only floor that didn't have shag carpet. And I had this book that they gave me Bob Audi's tap routines. And I followed them. You know, it was the tap routine to uh, putting on the Ritz or something. And I was like, ball, heel, ball, heel, step, ball, chain, step, heel, step, heel, step, ball, chain, dun, dun, dun. Ball change, da 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 da, and you know, following it, left foot, right foot, everything, and I learned those combinations with tap shoes or with regular shoes. There was regular shoes because my mom would have killed me if I right. had floor. <laughs> Just picture you like <laughs> I got metal and I taped it to the bottom of yeah, my, my shoes and I made caps, the sound. Bottle caps, um, but it, but, but that's why. I and I actually took tap from Bob Audi when I moved to the city. Wow, which was cool enough. When did you fall in love? Oh, with with theater? With your husband. Oh, my husband. Yeah. Well, my husband. The uh, most talented hair he's, design he's, artist on the planet. He's really awesome. Yeah. You know, and he um, he did Drowsy Chaperone. <laughs> what if you're like, can I go off mic for a second? Yeah. He's yeah. not talented. <laughs> Paul Huntley all the way. No, just kidding. <laughs> it's all, it's all smoke and mirrors. Like, oh, God. Yeah. Um, no, he's uh, handsome. Josh is great. He's super really handsome. handsome. He's, he's 10 years younger than me, though he looks 20 years younger than me, which kind of pisses Hate me off. Hate him. Um, Little known fact. (laughs) We're not happy with that. Totally, we're not. Age, damn it. Um, Yeah, yeah, no, he's ageless. But he did Drowsy Chaperone and designed the hair for that. And And he's just hired and you don't know each other before. We didn't know each other. um, And Greg Barnes recommended him. I said, yeah, Greg, if you like this guy, I like this guy. Sure. And, and, um, and it was funny because he pulled out Aldolfo's wig, which, you know, became sort of a famous thing with yeah. Danny Danny bursting in that wig. Yes. And I just hated it. I was like, that's not making it on stage, Greg. Right. That's not going to happen. And he's like, just try it once. And it made the character. Danny loved it. It was great. Um, and then, you know, Drowsy closed. I was with a, with a partner at the time. Okay. Josh was with a partner at the time. And... I never thought Josh is a romantic romantic interest right. at all. He's you good know? with hair. And he's good yeah. with hair. And then I I broke up with my partner. And then like six months later, I called Josh and he said he broke up with his partner. And then we were going to do other shows together. And he said, well, why don't we get together and talk about it? And then he texted me. He's like, when are we going to have our hot date to talk about the shows? I'm like, um. Hot date? A Tuesday for our hot date? Yeah. And then he wrote back flowers or chocolate. What? So he had a crush on you yeah, all he along. Did. And you didn't know. And I didn't know. know. No clue. And that was it. That was it. So that's been... We've been together 11 years. Okay. And married for seven. Wow. Did you have a wedding? We did. Where did you get married? Central Park. How beautiful. Small. We had 14 people there. It was perfect. It was perfect. How do you choose 14 people? Well, it was really hard, I have to say. You win, like, if there were a yearbook, you are most popular. (laughs) But you know how it happened? The 14 people is we knew we wanted to eat dinner at Blue Hill in the village. Uh, and the private room only had room for 16. So we're wow. like, okay, we're inviting 14 people. Wow. It was hard. I, I like I look back, I get a little skeeved out by people we left out. But, you know, mm. once you invite more, then you have to invite more than that. And hopefully everyone understands. You're like, we really like Blue Hill, guys. A little more than we like you. <laughs> yeah, totally. At the end of the day, we're but, food people. But, you know, we we had to make it small because we, we didn't end up inviting family. Right. And so if That's we started having it. a bigger wedding, then it would have been really awful. But we knew we wanted to do it because... It sounds dumb where we did it because of our schedules, but we actually just did it. We actually did it, honestly, because Trump was going to be, you know, or yeah. wasn't, no, was it wasn't No, then? before that. It was before that. Yeah. But there was something was happening and we were like, we need to do it before that happens. Before the Supreme Court turns yeah, super ugly. Yeah, that's what it was. Ugly. Yeah, no, yeah. that's exactly what it was. 
Have you been sort of front and center as, as an activist uh, outside of your work, or do you feel like your work is your platform? Um, no, I mean, I think my work's my platform. I would like to get involved more now that I see what what a difference this show has made for yeah. people, and and some of the stories with people saying how much it means to them, and they've come out with it to their parents because of the show, and right. and they didn't feel like they had a place. I mean, that's so powerful. It really is. So Casey's talking about The Prom, yeah. which is currently a Tony-nominated musical Yay. on Broadway. <laughs> um, and it really is in some way like the show that could, right? The little show that could. It oh, yeah. is not a huge Broadway musical. It's kind of an intimate Broadway musical. Right. Um, how many people are in this cast? I mean, it's not the smallest cast, but but it's but it's it's your sort of normal size. But I think that I love that you say it's intimate it feels because I like feel like that. it is, and it's in a small theater, the stage yeah. space. But we we purposely did that with honestly with Mean Girls, and then with having this show, we made them very different in scale because Scott passed through the sets for both of them. Okay, and um, it's an intimate story. It's yeah. about love, <laughs> you know, so, teen love that's not accepted. So, can you explain briefly for the four people? on the planet who don't know what this musical is about, sort of the the, oh, sure. the one-liner about it? It's it's a tough one-liner, actually. Um, okay. Then but, a 10-liner? Yeah, okay. 20-page <laughs> well, liner. I'll actually, I'll start with this story, which is when I heard about it, mm-hmm. uh, Jack Fertel called me up, and he said... Who's Jack Fertel? Jack Fertel was, uh, is the artistic director of Encores. Okay. And he called me up, and he said, Casey, I have a weird idea that sounds like it might be a show. And I was just reading in the paper that a a girl is not able to go with her girlfriend to the prom. And there are stories like this. I was online all over the place. Right. And it says, I I was thinking, wouldn't it be funny if these – if we start in Bar Centrale and these actors are like, we got to do more with our lives. And they go try to help this girl and make things worse. So he had the idea. And he had that idea. Yeah. And then I was like, I'm in. That sounds like it's right up my alley. And then he said, I was thinking, what about Bob and Matt and Chad? I said, great. Because we'd all done Elf together and that's what sort of – you know, got right. uh, got that in his head. Yeah, and then and it's a great team. And then and it's a great team, and we love each other, and we have a shorthand together, and we had so much fun working on this. So show. you start writing it, and we just started writing it, and then we did a twenty nine hour reading, and with Brooks and Chris and Beth and Angie and Caitlin, and and it really just all. We, all those people stayed with us. And we knew, I know you worked with Beth before in your a early days. A million times, a um, million times. And are you writing for her? We really wrote for them. Mm-hmm. And we really, you know, I didn't know Brooks at all then. And we wrote for Brooks. And he brought so much to the table. And then we're like, let's just write to the, all of their strengths. And Chris yeah. and I worked together in Spamalon. Right. Angie and I worked together. Something wrong we hadn't done yet. But actually, Angie and I hadn't worked together then. Okay. But, oh, no, we did Minsky's. Okay. Because yeah. she's, she's, I mean, talk best. about it like. Fits perfectly. Yeah. 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 She's the best. And Caitlin is really also just like this uniquely gifted angel person. Fantastic. So they all all started. We did a lab um, like four years ago or five years ago. It was okay. It was so heavy in the musical comedy part. Okay. And it felt more like the big show that you were talking about than the intimate show. Yeah. And that's what we also learned. We, We then changed it a lot. Okay. And then we did it at the Alliance. And we realized that... We were too heavy. The whole show was in a musical comedy box instead of it being in a play box mm-hmm. with a music com- with great musical songs. comedy invading it. Right. And that's what we decided to do. So if you had to say, like, everyone has, you know, Jason Robert Brown was here. Like, I've had so many. Uh-huh. Joe Iconis. There's, like, so many different people who write uh, in all different ways, who who have different ways of kind of talking about when a song needs to happen. Uh-huh. And there are, you know, Kelly O'Hara will talk about when she feels like it's organic and real as a performer. How mm-hmm. do you, and there's no science, right? It's art. Like it's all instinct and art. And, mm-hmm. it, and like you said, like we get rid of it or we start again or it works. Right. Like this idea of when a song becomes the way to communicate the next beat of this story, mm-hmm. how do you know when that is? Well, I think you have a ground plan to start with, and you sort of know that this is a beat that naturally someone should sing. Meaning like like almost like if you're – there are like, you know, flashcards on the, on oh, the board. There's, where always, you're putting... there's always index cards on the <laughs> right. board. So you always. have index cards and you're like, this is – there's going to be a song here. And then you – yes, and then you move them around and you move them around and then you cut them and then you put one in act two and change it and make it a production number and then – 
you is know. Is there a certain, in, in a non, you know, if you're not doing a libretto, if it uh-huh. is a musical that has acting scenes and yeah. singing, is there a certain number of songs that there has to be? Um, Do you think cast recording? There's roughly 10 and 6. Okay. Roughly. Okay. You know, and 10 what and 6 what? 10 songs in Act 1 and 6 in Act 2. Okay. Ish, you yeah. know that, that's that's you can break the rules. You can, break the, you can the always break structure. the rules. But what's interesting is you say it's not science. There is a science. To okay, it. I think there's absolutely a science to it. You know, depending on what type you're. If you're doing a musical comedy, it's sort of like you know that when you get 45 minutes in, you got to start ramping up in all the songs to get to the end of Act One. Okay, and and you know it's funny because you you know like you have to build the scenes. You have to then lay the index cards that are songs right alongside it so that you see you're building in the songs too. Got it. So that so that everything builds together. And I think that's part of the problem sometimes is you don't think about what and how that person should be singing in okay. order for the whole show to keep moving forward. Right. Not just that character. Yeah, exactly. Because it might be great for the character, but it might not be really great for that moment. And is that something when you talk about like, it turns out I'm really good being the papa. Is that something also you like tap you mm-hmm. intuited naturally how to create story in this way. Definitely. Uh-huh. And and definitely that I take a very energetic approach to everything. Which means and it's a hard to explain energy. Okay. You know, but 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 it does. I think I intuitively know when we're stalling or when we're moving or when we need to stop and feel or when we need to do whatever. I feel like I'm intuitive about that part of it. And what is making someone an actor look good or look like an actor or relying on something else that's not right for the thing. Even though it's funny, it's not right for the story. I mean, honestly, everything has to happen for the story. Right. Everything has to serve the show. And, you know, that's that's what stops me sometimes from saying, I want a tap number, which I really never say because sometimes I feel like tap looks like it's showing off. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times, most of the time, I don't think showing off should happen in a show. Right. I think it should be organic to what is in the show. The dance number should fit in the show and not just be like, I'm going to kick high and I'm going to be clever. Yeah. You can't do that because then you're out of the show. Right. That's you right. Know? And 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 that's that's for me. I just, I think you have to always serve the show. And I think that's the most important thing. And I should think the show tells you what is right and wrong. Right. You know, when you use a song that's your favorite song ever, and then all of a sudden you get into working on the show for two years, or then it's in an audience, you're like, I cannot believe I'm going to say this, but I think that song has to go. Right. And then everyone's crushed or you have writers mad at you or And the actor whatever. feels like they've done something wrong. Absolutely. Which is almost never the case. Yeah. No. Yeah. No, you know, so it's a, it's a it's a tricky thing. No, it's really about where you are in the show and what what time you are in the show about yeah. what kind of song can happen there. Yeah. When I said earlier, you have four shows on Broadway right now. <laughs> are you like that's not that's unusual yeah, there are there are few directors who have that kind of success at this point it's pretty awesome um do you feel successful oh yeah i definitely do i definitely do but and i still don't feel like i'm a big success you know what i mean it's i don't know i don't know what no, you mean it's funny i just i couldn't like, physically be in four broadway shows I, at once I, mean, I still feel like i'm a chorus kid, but a chorus kid who's an adult and knows what he's doing yeah. and wants to be – I still want to be playing So you feel like I you know what you're it. doing. Oh, totally. Like you know first day of rehearsal, you know how to start your first day of rehearsal. I do. How do you start your first day of rehearsal? With music. <laughs> right away. Like, hi, everybody, and now we're going to get into it. yeah. Get it? Well, also, too, because, you know, usually a start a show starts as a lab now. Right. You know? I know. It's so different. Um, it's like. It's different because we didn't always do. And we did workshops then. But, right. But, you know, or out starts, of town, but it was a whole production yeah, out of town. And it was six weeks and now it's four weeks. And the last week, everyone wants to be have it be your presentation. So, you know, your time just keeps getting cut and cut yeah, and cut. Yeah. So, so for me, day one is music. And then I'm like. All right, music department, you'll pick up You're time on. later. And it's it's true. So basically teach as much of the music in Act 1 as you can, and mm-hmm. then we just start working on the show. Mm-hmm. I jump way in, but you know the thing is, you're casting people that are really right for the roles or that you want to start learning about them. I can't wait to get my hands on it. So, yeah. so it's about let's just dig in there and get going so we can start working on things and figuring stuff out. Yeah, Because it's also, it's always easier to do the work when you're looking at something than when so, you're talking about it. Yeah, so I'm like, just everyone get on stage. Everyone, let's just start. Let's get act one done so then we can go, oh, God, that area is not right. Because it is a time thing you have to keep looking at, too. Because if you look at it and you go, oh, that number is completely wrong, 
then the writers need time to write a new number. Exactly. So and if are you're you... doing that and you only have like three days left, you're a little stuck. So before day one of rehearsal, have you already, with your associates and assistants, mapped out the choreography? Oh, for com- completely. completely. So how, how long does that take? Well, you know, I'm watching all the numbers in my head like a movie from the minute they're written. Okay. And figuring them like out. Like you're reading the, the script and yeah. you're seeing the dance in your head. Yeah, and then it starts with, with Glenn Kelly and I in a room. And okay. he's the dance arranger who's done almost all of my shows. Incredible. Your um, other husband. Yeah, he's one of my, he's yeah. one of my husbands for sure. Um, and he, I'll tell him I want this number and I think it's going to need to be this and this and this. And I think I need this, this much time and dance. And then he'll come back and say, I rearranged this and put this in front and that there because he knows how to build a number. Right. And then I just make him play it over and over and I keep my eyes closed and he likes playing it over and over because then he can see what he's going to play with. And then I just start watching it like a movie in my head. Mm -hmm. And then I figure out how to do it. And then I have a week of pre-pro with just my associates and I and Glenn. Okay. And then I have another week usually or two weeks with uh, like six dancers in the room and then stage the whole thing because – like I said, with Spamalot, the difference was I was the choreographer, so I could be in that room all the time. Totally. You're I can't not be running two places around. at one time. So right. I have to have someone I absolutely trust, which is John McInnes in this case, as, right. the, as associate choreographer. And he's the other you. He's, he's like the your other clone. me. And then Casey Hushin is the other me. So and you have so clones. I do, basically. And so I'm in one room. If I'm in the dance room, Casey takes charge of the music I mean, of the, of the acting room. Okay. When I'm in the acting room, John is in charge there. And I just seriously go back and forth. Do you think it's too much to be the director and the choreographer? Or no, do you love it? I love it. I thrive on it. Yeah. I sort of thrive on too much sometimes, which is probably not good for me. Right. But it, it is good for me because I like doing it. Right. And also, I think it's good to have one vision in a way. Yeah. I, I do. I think that... You know, when it streamlines the whole thing in it, a way. It does, but for I the think, performers or for the for you, I think for everyone in a way. I do. You know, it it ends up being. You, you, there's no chance of them saying maybe they are, but there's no chance of them going like, "Oh God, I wish this choreographer would save this director's ass," or or, oh, vice, God, versa. or vice versa. You know what I mean? And and also, it's just you know, if you're doing a play or you're on doing TV, you know. The writer is king, yes. you know, and there's when one. you're doing yeah. when you're doing a musical, someone has to be in charge because there's so many moving parts. There's so many moving parts and so many departments and so many more elements than there is right. to doing a play. So do you think plus do you get paid twice? Yeah, that's good. <laughs> that's that's good too. So do you think as we trend or move forward, I mean, there's more and more of that. There used to be a few people doing mm-hmm. that, and now there are more people doing both. Right. Is that now what producers in the musical theater want or not necessarily? I don't think necessarily. I don't think so. Joe Mantello is still going to do his thing and not yeah. be the choreographer also, and right? Yeah. I mean, you, you can't I do think, it if you don't do it. No, and I think right. that it depends on on where people come from and who they've what shows they've done because right. it's, it's the dancers that work under certain people that go like, I want to do that. You yeah. Know? Yeah. So do you know what's next? Um, next show I think will be some like it hot, a version of a new version of some like it hot. Are you already, is it already, has there it's been not, some 29 hour? No, not yet. Somewhere? Hopefully soon. Act one is done and now we're moving into act. Can two. you say who the creative team oh, yeah. is? It's, it's Mark Shaman and Scott Whitman. And, oh, uh, they're terrible. And they're terrible. <laughs> And terribly <laughs> great. Terrible. Uh, oh my God. And Matthew Amazing. Lopez is doing the book. Oh my yeah, God. It's, it's pretty awesome. And is it being built around a cast or? Not yet. Okay. Not yet. It's really just working the on piece. the writing of it and the piece of it. But all you guys have the rights to Some Like It Hot. Yeah. That's yeah, extraordinary. It's going to be fantastic. Um, Casey, I, I know <laughs> you have many places to be and 7,000 shows to put together. <laughs> this has been just the most extraordinary conversation. Oh, I'm just in awe of you and you're just light. You're all light and joy and thank you for what you do for the theater and for all of us. And for all of you out there, you can't see me, but I've been smiling ear to ear this entire time. I haven't been able to stop. Well, that's who you are. (laughs) All right. Well, you can stop smiling now. We're done. There you go. Thank you so much. That was really fun. If you want more information about my guests, go to the website littleknownfactspodcast.com.
I also wanted to tell you that there is now a new addition to the website. It is a button that says Contributions. This podcast is a true labor of love, and I really, really want to keep doing it for a long time. So if you like listening as much as I love to do it, please feel free to contribute. It would mean the world to me. Also, on Twitter, you can find me at Alana Levine. Instagram is Little Known Facts Podcast. And on Facebook, Little Known Facts Podcast. You can also feel free to rate and review the show on the iTunes show page. This podcast is recorded at Hangar Studios in New York City. Do you believe in stories? I know I do. Do you feel like there is more to your story? Personally, I feel like there's more to every story. And I got some good news. There's this great company called The Pocket Media Group, and they can help you find the more in your story and tell it so it connects to the people you most want to reach. They specialize in video, photography, writing, design, branding, and strategy, all the pieces you need to start something new or polish up something old. And they understand that story, whether it's a photograph, a video, or words on a page, powerfully connects people and ideas. So whether you're a not-for-profit, a company, or just good old you with an idea, whatever your story, mission, or message, reach out to the people at The Pocket Media Group at www.thepocketmediagroup.com and let them help you start telling your story. Because look, we know there is definitely more to your story.